Necessity is the mother of invention So get ready for a mother of a ride Gas up your laptops, your tablets and devices Cause our asses are all quarantined inside More and more every day The world just feels so very far away Less and less things to do So pull up a chair and let us talk to you I'm Summer. And I'm Cody. And this is the More and More Everyday Podcast. He's a fifth grade teacher. She's a historian. And this is a daily blog and interview series brought to you by the South Phoenix Oral History Project to capture and preserve the stories of students and teachers in the COVID-19 era. Welcome. As part of National Teacher Appreciation Week, we interview Stephanie Burke-Liggett, a language arts teacher at Woodrow Wilson Academy for grades 7 and 8. Stephanie talks about adjusting to teaching online, dealing with the workload, and the unexpected joys of learning new skills. She remarked that at first, what was scary is now routine. How are you? How am I? I'm doing pretty well, honestly. I think um, when we went into quarantine or or when we closed schools down and, and then when everyone realized we weren't going to be coming back to school for a while. And at the time it was for a while and now it's for the rest of the year. But, you know, four weeks ago, I remember having a zoom call with my principal and my middle school team and everyone was just freaking out about the, the work that lay ahead of us and the, the pro the pro process, I guess, of learning how to teach remotely, which, you know, we're, Teachers are innovators and we can handle this stuff, but it was just thrown on us really fast and no one was really ready for it. And so I just remember that conversation because we talked about how what was scary today or tomorrow would soon be routine. Mm -hmm. And when it was routine, it would feel routine for us and eventually it would feel routine for our students and the, their parents. And then we would get into a flow and that's where we're at. We're at the flow. Mm -hmm. So that's why my answer is, you know, I'm doing pretty well because I have I have a system finally, you know, I, my days are laid out pretty um, specifically and I know what I'm doing when I'm doing it and I'm managing things and feeling successful and feeling like I have time to be the best teacher I can be. And so, yeah, all of that is, uh, it contributes to your, your psyche. But I also know that it's not like that for every educator right now. Um, there are so many people out there who are parents on top of teaching. And to have kids at home that you are in charge of either just childcare in general or also um, teaching them through their teacher via like the homeschool piece on top of teaching your own classes, their answer might not be the same <laughs> as mine. <laughs> so for sure. Yeah, thank you. We are looking as historians at um, gradual change over time. So we tend to look at things changing in, in longevity, but we also like to look at watershed moments. So if you could look back on the last five weeks, could you actually pinpoint a day or a date where it felt like everything changed for you? Do you mean change in terms of like positive change or negative or does it matter? Oh, just on account of the virus. Um, what was the day where everything was one way and then all of a sudden it was different? Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I can, I can remember this. Um, it was the, the week of May, March, sorry, March um, 9th, 9th, 8th or 9th or so. We, 
we had a an in-service that week. So whatever that Monday was of that week of March, we're in the in-service. And I remember asking my principal at the time, like, what's the likelihood that there there's going to be school closures over what's going on? And on that Monday, she said, I've heard nothing. I've heard nothing about that. By Wednesday, she was approaching us, and, and my principal is very forthcoming with information. I think she really hadn't heard anything at that point, but by Wednesday, she had, and it was like, oh, you guys need to start thinking about lesson plans for two weeks' time, and it was very fast, like, we need those in 24 hours, and then um, on Friday, the 13th, was the last day with students, and I, it was a gloomy gray day I just and the kids were sad and everybody was scared and I just remember it was such a a a smack in the face of this is real like (laughs) we're not having school literally not having school because of what's going on in our world and um I just remember the the sense of like I, I didn't think at the time for sure that we would be out of school for the rest of the year Um, But I had a sense in the back of my head that it was going to be a whole lot longer than two weeks. So that'd be the turning point, I think. Yeah, that's a common answer that week of May 9th. Lots of people say that. March 9th. Yeah, March 9th. Yeah, March 9th. Yep, that's it. That is like for the, like, talk about being able to pick out a day. (laughs) It's good you asked that. I'm sure people will we'll talk about it later, you know, decades from now. They'll be like, I remember where I was on this exact day in, right. you know, 2020. So, yeah. Exactly. Cool. Um, talk to me about how you communicated with your students initially, like when you first started this change or when schools were closed, and how you've been communicating with them since. Yeah. Um, so my school closed for the week prior to spring break and then the week of spring break, obviously. Um, and that was our initial plan. So from the beginning, we had work for about a week for them to do pre-spring break. And then they were meant to have a true break where we didn't assign any work. So really, it was a week that we were communicating with those kids before they went to spring break. Um, and I operated off of, we tried to go with like, what, what do they know? What are they familiar with? And my students use Google Classroom frequently in most of their core classes. So we decided Classroom was a great place to just put our work and uh, communicate via message or just a stream post. There were a lot of different ways we could do that. And so that was the primary source. Kids naturally would email, too, because they were more comfortable with that or they didn't want to go through the channel of classroom and making comments on that site. But what I noticed from the start was how quickly the students evaporated into space, essentially. Like, I would send out daily streams during that week, you know, hi, everybody, how's it going? I try to put funny memes on there and, you know, know, somebody write me back. (laughs) And, yeah, I don't expect a ton from seventh and eighth grade students I mean teenagers are not interested in responding to their teacher but I kind of figured because it was a work week that they were supposed to be logging in and checking in and whatever I'd get a couple I didn't get a single response that entire week they just disappeared so when we came back from spring break and realized like we never came back to school literally but over spring break it was called that school would be out for at least two more weeks and then from there it became the rest of the year but once we got that point set, we knew we were going to have to streamline everything because 
these kids were going to just disappear and we would lose them forever. Not forever, but you know, for the rest of the year. So uh, classroom is still our main format. Like that is still what we uh, work through. All four core areas, math, science, history, language arts, assign, instruct, communicate through classroom. We now, of course, use Zoom, which a lot of schools use, and we, um, we've found some ways to sort of safeguard that pretty well so that kids can come in and attend our weekly meetings. We typically, each core teacher has at least one Zoom meeting a week with all of the kids in that grade level, and um, more if they so choose. So like our math teacher has multiple meetings depending on the math class that she's working with. And then we still do email. But one thing that's really important for email is we're trying to avoid collecting work from students via email. We set up posts on Classroom where they should be dropping their work. And those who continue to try to send it through email, we, we try to steer them back into Classroom simply for the sheer, I'm sure everyone knows this, I'm sure you know this, like the sheer number of emails that we are getting every day. Um, I counted mine two days ago. I had 120 in one day. And that was not from kids turning in assignments. That was just general questions and meeting conversations and all kinds of things. So to have, imagine if I assign um, each seventh and eighth grade class three assignments a week and I have 110 students. So that's six times 110. I mean, we're looking at hundreds of emails will be coming in every week on top of the 120 a day or whatever. It's just not realistic and it's not possible. So yeah, so Classroom is our main source right now and Zoom and then the email for, for quick contact typically. Very good. Thank you. So how are you actually teaching seventh and eighth graders English and language arts right now? Oh, man. Uh, <clears throat> that's a good question. How am I teaching them? Well, when it got started, I, I immediately thought I've got to use things they are familiar with, platforms they are familiar with. And um, I've been so lucky to have the time and the option to attend many, many, many amazing free webinars on grading practices and teaching kids remotely. Um, I use a ton of the ones that came down from AMLE, which is the Association for Middle Level Educators. They've done incredible stuff. And so I learned as, as I went, basically. And the best thing I could think of was to streamline. So I don't use platforms they're unfamiliar with. I only use the ones they already knew from in the year. So grammar, for example, we use something called No Red Ink. And um, for vocabulary studying, we use Quizlet. Um, these are platforms that other teachers probably have heard of and are familiar with. The really amazing thing is those companies have opened up their full uh, resource set section to teachers right now for free. Instead of having to pay for a lot of this, you can get all these great extra components of those programs for free. So those have been so helpful um, in helping me do my job teaching English. Uh, in terms of writing skills, for example, thought long and hard about do I assign students an essay between now and the end of the year? You know, is that logical, realistic? Of course, they can do short answer type things, but a long essay, is that really going to be something they need to be doing? And everything I kept hearing and reading and learning about was how kids are learning slower, more slowly than they do in a regular classroom. We have to pair things back. We have to um, connect with them first and teach them second. And 
by making those connections, that's going to eat up some of the time, right? So long story long, I am not having my kids do any super long writing. I'm having them do things like poems um, and it, a discussion board posts on certain sites where they read something and they go and they talk to each other via discussion board. But then I grade them on did they capitalize or did they use end punctuation, which sounds pretty simple, but I figure at least if they're reinforcing those good skills in that small section of learning, it's going to be more beneficial for them than if I assign them some big daunting essay that they struggle to get through. I mean, that's the last thing we want to do to them right now. So, yeah. Well, and their concentration levels may be completely off. You know, I think about how hard it must be to concentrate even on writing one paragraph when you have these anxieties and the stress and then four other classes you're having to do. I imagine a big essay would feel daunting right now, but I don't know. I mean, I just, yeah. And essays are daunting in general, right? And you have to assign them and teach them in small bites. Like you have to give them little pieces here and there. And that's so much harder to do remotely. Um, And I just think, you know, my student body uh, for the most part, Many of them have access, they all have access to internet, really, truly, all 110 of my students have access, and they all have a computer that's been issued by my school, so that is there. Uh, We don't have the disparity that is happening so frequently in many, many, many more districts where half the kids can't even get online, so I know we're lucky there, but I don't know a kid's home life. And uh, I have students who the, you know, their bandwidth is too low to really truly function online. I have students who are, are babysitting little brothers and sisters during the day while their parents are working. They can't attend meetings. They can't, um, they can't focus on learning. Um, I have students who are totally unsupervised and have no schedule anymore. And they're sending me work at two in the morning because that's when they're awake. And they're playing video games most of the night. And like that, that is happening in, in all, a lot of households. And then you have the piece of, you know, so let's say you do have a majority of your kids are working hard and doing the work and trying to do that honestly and with, you know, a moral component to it. You still have kids who are panicking and they are trying to plagiarize or they're lifting work from the internet. And Right now, it's not, I don't, I just genuinely feel it is not my job to try to like catch them in the thing they're doing wrong. So I've tried to make sure my assignments don't allow for that kind of thing. You know, it's pretty hard to plagiarize a discussion board post. You just go in and you say what you're thinking. (laughs) You know, you don't need to lift things. Or I give them an assignment where they have to reflect what they learned through art. It's pretty hard to fake that too. So Honestly, I mean, it, you could call it a plus of this whole thing. I, I feel like how I, how I teach has grown a little bit through yeah. all of this, which sounds silly because people worry we're going backwards. But I do think that the, the kids will get something out of this, hopefully, based on what I'm trying to put out there for them. Yeah. No, I agree. I think the innovation that we've all been tasked to figure out <laughs> is helping us to be better teachers and better professionals mm-hmm. and- probably better learners, you know, we're stretching. We have to. We have to. And I think it goes to say, um, and it's hard for me to remember this sometimes, but everyone's situation is different, right? Um, And that goes for students, but it also goes for coworkers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I could sit around all day and be frustrated by the coworkers I have who don't seem to be pulling their weight 
or being their best selves or taking the time to to teach the very best they can teach. Um, but in truth, I don't know what their home lives are like either. So yeah, if they have children and they're stressed about that, or they have a family member at home who's sick, or I, you don't know, you just don't know. And so I've kind of just tried to remember that, like, if I'm doing okay, and I can, maybe I can help uh, help by picking up some slack for my team, because I, I do have the, the time to do it or the mental capacity to do it, well, then I'm just going to do it. Because in the end, what you know, what good does it do to like focus, hyper-focus on someone else who you feel isn't pulling their weight? Yeah. Cause they, maybe they are pulling their weight. Right. You in that circumstance. Yeah. Different weight. (laughs) Exactly. What are you doing and, or what have you done to establish a sense of normalcy? Sense of normalcy. These are, this is a good question. Okay. For my students, the normalcy is the, the voice I have during our zoom meetings Mm -hmm. and through my assignments. Um, you know, every week I do a guide show and slides that they can reference the rest of the week. That, that's what my classroom's like. You walked into my classroom physically, you would see a Google, Google slide presentation every day. Mm -hmm. You would also see me presenting with, you know, silly faces or animated voice or whatever it is that I feel will capture their attention. So I'm still doing that during my Zoom meetings. And it's weird and it's kind of awkward because I don't get student response, (laughs) right? Like I'm teaching to this space where I see all their faces, but I don't hear their voices and and they might like thumbs up me or something, but it's not the same. But I figure at least if they hear me and I sound similar to what I usually sound like, awesome. Like that's, that's normal to them. That feels consistent to them. Um, last week in my eighth grade class, we attempted to read a Shakespeare play in parts over Zoom. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And it was awesome. Like it was horrible, but it was awesome. I mean, we had like, it was sort of like that, like Ferris Bueller, 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 you know, because I'd have a kid who was like supposed to be the part of Cesario and they, they you don't hear them because their audio is messing up or something. Right. So then I'm like, okay, who wants to fill in for that kid right now? Because they clearly got frozen or something. So we just kept going. It was very bumpy, but man, it was so much more fun than those kids having to read Shakespeare alone at home. <laughs> Come on. So that's what I'm trying to keep normalcy with my kids is like it's not any really any different except physically we're not in the same place anymore mm-hmm. um personally it's it's similar in the sense that what I know best in at my in my home is routine so I just I keep my routine I get up at the same time I would have gotten up to go teaching every day and I go to bed at the same time and I eat my meals at the same time the only difference is I'm not really leaving the house, you know, and that works pretty well. Quite honestly, I don't entirely hate working from home <laughs> on many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, like, you know, you get, you get familiar in your routine, right? Like the first week that we didn't have school, I went into school every day because we weren't on a lockdown yet and I could do that still. And it felt normal to be in my classroom. Now it doesn't feel normal to be there anymore. And I had to go in yesterday to take some things off my walls and, I didn't want to go. Like I didn't, like, I don't want to go to school. I'm at home. I need to do my own thing. So normalcy can be identified on, you know, based on the moment you're in, I guess too. Yeah, for sure. And I think I can see that you are dressed for work. Like you have your earrings on, you've got your cardigan. I'm the same way. 
Um, some people are fully wearing workout clothes all day, every day, and, and that's fine if that's what works for them. But for me, I have to get ready every morning. Otherwise, I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> well, yeah, or, and what, or what day is it? Like, yeah. at least I can tell the difference between the weekend and the weekday because my clothes are different. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I know which day it is. It's, oh, I'm wearing yoga pants. It must be Saturday. <laughs> it must be Saturday or Sunday. Oh, that's funny. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what do you miss? Hmm. Uh, more than anything, I miss interactions with students being simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're never going to be easy. Like interacting with seventh and eighth graders is not easy. Like you, they make fun of you and you have to like go into it with some humor and they don't talk to you in person any more than they do over the internet. But um, I just, I was thinking like yesterday I had a student who was struggling to get work turned in online and there were a million emails going back and forth between between her and her mother and me and it was just it was madness and so I was like please come visit my office hours like just come in during my zoom office hours and I will screen share you know and show you what you need to do well she came in and she was busy babysitting her little brother and her little brother's jumping off furniture and I mean she can't focus she can't listen to what I need to teach her to do and that is like 17,000 times harder than if she was struggling in class and I could hold her after class for 30 seconds and explain what she needed and she could go on her way. Mm-hmm. So I miss that. I miss everything feeling kind of cumbersome and heavy as you move through the tech piece of communication. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Um, and I miss, you know, I, I've seen a couple of my coworkers in person from a distance, you know, at school when I've gone in and everything feels normal with the interactions, but then when you get into a Zoom meeting, everything feels awkward and weird. It's just, it's, you know, they get a, I, I kind of liken it to like our staff meetings on Zoom are a lot like my class meetings on Zoom, where the adults take on the persona of a certain student in your room. Like there's the kid that's like checked out and doesn't have their video on, except it's an adult in a staff meeting. (laughs) And you have the person who's clearly busy working on things and not paying attention, right? And it's like happening everywhere in all aspects of all of us, of adults, kids, everyone. Like as we try to navigate through remote learning, it's, I miss like the easy, the simpleness, the simple quality of person to person interactions. Absolutely. I'm laughing because um, I will fully work during a meeting, mm-hmm. and I never got to before. Like in a meeting, <laughs> you like stuck there for an hour, and you're like, "This is a huge waste of time." But now, mm-hmm. like, if it's a meeting that I don't really need to take a part a part in, I'm like, I can do some grading, you know. And I oh, know that that is so frustrating to some of my <laughs> workers. It's like you gotta do what you gotta do right now, you know. True. No, it's true. And, you know, I laugh sometimes like uh, I'll be in a staff meeting and one of my coworkers will text me at the same time. And it's funny because, you know, one day I was I texted her back something funny and she started laughing and I heard her laugh through the Zoom meeting. And I was like, oh, she got my text. And so it's just like it's just funny. It's, it's such a bizarre world. Well, and, you know, not speaking specifically of teaching and education, I I miss in my regular life, I miss that same simplicity. Like I used to love going to the grocery store. It was so great to go every week. And now I dread it, you know, and um, I miss like the ability to go do kind of what I need or want to do in that moment, whether it's really pointless, silly stuff like 
I want to run over and do some, you know, quick home goods shopping somewhere or get some flowers to plant in my side yard. Like I, 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 there, it's not, the freedom doesn't feel like it's there. Even if you, I probably could go do that in some of those places, then I would feel like that person, you know, who's, who's like not essentially buying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And same goes for like wearing masks and things, you know, my husband and I wear our masks everywhere we go. And, and, um, as states start to adjust to loose, looser orders or lifted orders, I know in our state, um, our governor announced a plan to lift orders in about a week's time. And those orders are not a full lift. They're just a light lift, basically, meaning here's some of the things you can do that you couldn't do before, but nothing is going away entirely. It was like he literally said instead, tomorrow you don't have to wear masks. And everyone threw their masks off and started running around in public. And it's like, oh, so there's just a lot of complicated elements of living in this world right now. And I miss the simplicity. Yeah, me too. I get that. I miss libraries. Ooh. Remember libraries? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, they were lovely. The you smell just, of like, walk books. in and like touch any book you wanted. You can. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or or just uh, yeah, anything that you could just go in, into freely, like Hobby Lobby. <laughs> I yes. used to go craft shopping. I can't go there right now. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I've admitted this several times on the podcast, but I'm not a big fan of hug bombers, like people who hug you that like, cause I don't hug at work. Like that's not a thing. And I'm not even much of a huge hugger personally, but like for the rest of my life, I will never turn down a hug. Like, you know, one day when, when this is normal, if somebody wants to hug me, I'll, I'll be happy to oblige. I know. And well, and getting to that point that I guess that's maybe what concerns me is like, how do we get to that point again? How hard will it be to get there? Yeah. How long will it be to get there? I mean, we are talking um, in my school, we're already like looking forward into the fall, right? Yeah. And, and we anticipate being in school in some capacity, but we all are pretty assured it's not going to look the same as it did in January. Mm-hmm. And so uh, like we're going to have p- people all across the, the, the spectrum, right? We'll have people who are like, let's just get back to school and have it be normal, which it won't be able to entirely be. And then we're going to have people that are like, I'm terrified to send my child to school. Mm-hmm. And how do you meet in the middle there? Like how, how do we get to a point where everything is normal again? I don't know. I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, when you look into the future, what are you hoping for and what are you fearful of? Oh, wow. Um, speaking educationally, um, looking into the future, I'm fearful. I'm fearful of what we don't know. And unfortunately, we, we don't know a lot, right? And we're not going to know. <laughs> I'm like a planner by nature. And so this is like, I feel like you, you throw, it, throw at me what I'm dealing with. And then I can like build something from that. Right. And uh, so not knowing is really stressful. So that, that freaks me out more than anything that, that we might even have some great plan for the opening schools in the fall. And then it'll all just be totally sidelined by some unexpected or expected event that comes through, whether that is, you know, a second wave of illness or whether it is, Oh, by the way, 50% of our population isn't coming back because they're scared to, I mean, whatever it could be, we're going to have to just constantly roll with changes. Literally. I don't roll with changes very well, you know, without a little preparation and time to process. And so I don't think we're going to have a lot of that. Um, I worry a little bit uh, about 
getting into a school year and then a teacher, myself or anyone getting sick, a student getting sick and what that means, like what's the implication of being sick in this time? I mean, it's, it means literally like three weeks of lesson plans because you're down for the count for that long. You know, I mean, that's craziness. You know, we all get, we all prepare plans, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I mean, emergency sub plan. Well, not for three weeks. Oh my gosh. And it could be longer, you know? So the not knowing and um, not going to know kind of stuff really um, is what I am afraid of the most more than anything, educationally speaking. Um, but I look forward to that obscure day somewhere where it isn't like that, where it goes back to, I mean, just think of the gift that educators have every year. We know when school will start. We know what our days look like. We know when our vacation, we know when our vacations are like a year out, right? Our time off. Oh, I know I have Christmas break from this time, or I know I have a day off this day because of a parent teacher in service, whatever. Yeah. Like that we don't, that, that reliance on, um, on consistency and scheduling is something I have taken for granted in all of my 16 years as a teacher, no question. And if I want to change things like um, a unit or a lesson plan, I get to do that to make it better for my class. No one forces me to do it at, on a certain time frame in most cases. And now all of those things are going to change. Yeah. Um, and so I look forward to a day where it feels routine and scheduled again. And personally, I look forward to, I was talking with a student about this last week. Um, I look forward to concerts and sporting events, right? And going to restaurants. Like we were watching, my husband and I were watching a movie the other day and everybody's just eating at a restaurant, just like normal. And I'm like, oh, that was fun. Like, (laughs) I can't wait for that. <laughs> like, I cannot wait. That is going to be the greatest ever. And if on top of all of those things, we are finding normalcy, we are finding um, a way to, to deal long-term with the problems that lie ahead of us, the economy and the illness and all of those things. Like, if it starts to feel like the world is going upward, when you throw in, like, concerts and restaurants, it's going to be, like, the greatest day ever. So. Our graduation. Oh, right? <laughs> yeah. So my school is doing a graduation, a drive-in. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, they're going to stream it live and each kid will pull up in a car with their family and the teachers are going to be kind of like out in front of the school, six feet apart, sitting in chairs. And then they're going to set up sort of a table at the edge of the curb um, so that kids aren't tempted to come and like try to interact with us, which I don't think they would, but, um, and then they will get out of their car one at a time and pick up their diploma and get a little photo with their diploma and then get back into their cars. That's awesome. And then, yeah, it's, it's wild. I hadn't heard anything like this from other schools. So, um, and it's just, it's eighth grade, you know, it's not like it's high school, but, um, I'm hoping that goes off without a hitch. I mean, I hope that works. Well, and it's now a- more than ever, like, I never, I don't remember an eighth grade graduation, mm-hmm. but like, what a wonderful opportunity to create such a memory for these kids. That is super cool. Yeah, it's funny, like the things that they will remember, this crew of eighth graders, yeah, they'll remember their wild graduation, even though you wouldn't normally, yeah. or my seventh graders are reading the Anne Frank Diary of a Young Girl right now. I think that's sticking with them a little bit more <laughs> than the uh, avid seventh graders every year. So, Oh my gosh, I'm with you. I had a really robust, in-depth conversation with one of my history classes about 
you know, something that for years I've been trying to get them to care about and wrap their minds around. And because of the realities of this moment, they were able to get there in a way that mm-hmm. nobody has. Um, you are a quote person, and we ask this of all of our our guests. And typically, like it's half and half. Some people have an answer, and some people are like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> so, I'm hopeful that you'll know what I'm asking. Um, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that seems like really pertinent right now in your life? That's a great question. I'm sure I I will have one in like ten minutes after <laughs> I've thought about it. Um, I think like a quote that that sticks there's I see so many you know like out on Twitter and on the world I'm like oh yeah that's a great one that's a great one mm-hmm. um I don't know I mean I feel like I might be cheating if I go on my Instagram page <laughs> and see what I've reposted recently um yeah I don't I mean there is one though that I'm thinking of that reminds me of a time in my life when um when change was inevitable too it was something hold on I am I'm totally cheating on my Instagram I'm like totally going in and looking for it here so this quote that I really like is by E.E. Cummings and it says trust your heart if the seas catch fire live by love though the stars walk backward oh wow Mm -hmm. yeah that I love that and I think it's it's can speak to a million different things in life but right now doesn't it feel like the stars are walking backward and right and that life is not at all making sense and so you know trust your heart whatever that means to you mm-hmm. yeah all right I only have one more question for you before we close and mm-hmm. the question is if you were to find yourself reading this blog or listening to this podcast mm-hmm. what would you be sort of hoping to hear from these people what would you be looking for in this format that's a great question, and it's funny because I was listening to your weekly roundup um, right. earlier today, and you guys were talking about things you might talk about, and I actually said out loud with you guys as you were talking, like, oh, that too. Um, you were talking about interviewing parents. Mm-hmm. Very important, but I do think you should interview parents who are teachers too. Yeah. I, I think, and I think you mentioned it kind of, and you guys were like, yeah, but really parents, but really parents who are teachers. I, I think... And I don't mean like to say that anyone else who's working doesn't, I mean, it's not the same, but the, the remote learning piece, right? If you're going to fixate a little bit on the, the education component of the world right now. Yeah. Anybody who's in education on any level who is trying to run classes and also run homeschool, I would really like to hear, I, I know I have some colleagues who talk about it, but I mean, I'd like to a day in the life, you know, of a person like that. Um, and but I mean, parents in general too, I would love to hear um, from people in terms of education who have reached their limit with what they're expected to do as a parent at home. These are the people that are, I see on Twitter that are like, I'm pulling my first grader out of school. I can't deal. I want to know what they're thinking. And I want to know what the other people are thinking. The ones that are like, I couldn't ever do that. So I will slog through this, even though it is my nightmare or whatever. (laughs) Right? Did you see that meme of the the, um, it's like, I saw Ta- Tabitha next door cleaning her car and on further inspection, I noticed she was scrubbing the, my first grader is an excellent student bumper sticker off her windshield. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It has got to be impossible. Like it's just impossible. I don't, I think so many people for, for so many Americans, probably, maybe not just Americans, but I think in our country, there's just so many people that are like, let me 
overscheduled. We know kids are overscheduled. That is a factor of Generation Z. Let me overschedule my kid. And then you have um, this all come crashing down where they can't go anywhere and they can't do anything and you have to hang out with them and you maybe haven't for a really long time. I'm hopeful that there are a lot of families that are like, gosh, I'm so grateful I had this time. Yeah. Like with these kids at this age, this is never going to happen again where they're, they're totally stuck at home. I mean, I feel grateful for that with just a husband. Like I'm so grateful that I see him all the time and that, you know, well, we get along really well. I mean, these are all things how lucky, you know, but I do hope that a lot of people feel that way. Um, and I'm guessing there are a good handful of those people, but you know, there's also a lot of people who are trapped in homes of despair, you know, and it's not fun at all to be at home right now. So, yeah, I agree. Well, my last question for you is, um, where can people find you so you can share your social media or work address? Um, I can email you my, um, work email. I would be happy to share that with the world. And, um, I mean, I have Instagram and Twitter, which I'm on both of those each day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just attach, I'll hook up my little, when I email you, I'll send you my little like call names or whatever they're called. I don't know what they're called. My little profile. Um, and you know, neither, I mean, one Twitter, I don't know, a Twitter, Twitter gets a little political on my side, but if people are interested in seeing that they can, and then Instagram is way more artistic and about food. So if anyone wants to take a, get a, take a break from the world and look at eclairs, they are welcome to it. So. <laughs> but I love it I have all of three followers on Twitter so on Twitter oh yeah I'm one right I'm one I don't know I'm I it's my SMCC history oh no I'll have to follow you I just followed your SMCC insta today oh good oh yeah we do a daily update on Insta, and then, um, as you know, we've been doing a daily email, but after the school semester te- technically ends on May 8th, I'm going to shift to a weekly, so hopefully it doesn't overwhelm people's inboxes any more than it already has. All right, oh, well, well, thank you so much for your time with us today. Yeah. I really appreciated it. All right. Okay, bye. You can find us at SouthPhoenixOralHistory.com, on Instagram at SMCCHistory, or send us an email at HistorySouthMountain at gmail.com. Music provided by Jake and Emily Speck.